Turn with me in your Bibles. It's so great to have you guys here. Portraits of Gabi Arus in Zidem. I want to speak in Russian. One time I did preach in Russian. I, I thought I'd try to preach in Russian. And um, I was all excited about it, prepared in Russian, prepared the whole thing in Russian. And I started preaching in Russian. This was in Ukraine. I started preaching in Russian. And at the end of it, it was flowing, man. I thought this was great. I thought God was in this. I felt like I had the, you know, the flow to speak the language. And I finished, and there was a young man in the front, a good friend of mine. And at the end of the message, I asked him, I said, how was that? He goes, great message. I didn't understand much, but it was a great message. 2 <laughs> 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 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. chapter 5, verse 14. We've been talking about real change. And last week we just talked about the three questions that we gave about why change? Why change? We live in a society now, as you know, that is very discontent. There's a lot of inner discontentment, racial discontentment, economic discontentment, political discontentment, personal discontentment, and many discontentments in many different forms. So the word change is something that's always on our minds. I'd like to get out of this situation. I'd like to get out of this pattern of living. I'd like to get out of this habit. There's also religious discontentment. And just to get some of us up to speed, there's part of us, part of our flesh, which is the flesh is the old programming of the old man that was crucified 2,000 years ago. That residue and the pathways in the mind of the neurons and synapses that are firing together uh, that have this old pattern of thinking from the dead man that was crucified 2,000 years ago and eternity past, really. And this old way of thinking tries to usurp our thinking today, and the flesh is never content. The thinking in the mind of the flesh is never content until it's the center of and so the flesh desires to live out the Christian life. It does. There's a religious part of the flesh which really wants to change itself. There's a part, there's sometimes you meet people that want to change the habits that they're that they're stuck in, but they don't want to hear about Christ. They don't want to hear about God, they don't want to hear about finished work, they don't want to hear about what Christ has done 2,000 years ago. They want to change their own life because there's a measure of pride in the flesh that the flesh can change itself. And the flesh can change itself. It cannot deliver itself, though. It's very limited. And so the flesh would love to live the Christian life. It would love to learn the Christian vocabulary. It would love to learn the Christian behavior, the Christian waving of the hands, <laughs> the Christian everything. But the flesh can try to do that, but it cannot imitate the power of the new creation. It cannot imitate the power of God. It cannot imitate, it cannot imitate Christ. And the problem that with this, this movement that we saw several years ago, the What Would Jesus Do movement, the problem with that movement is, or can be, is that it could be a movement of imitation. And I want to talk about change, and I just want to ask this question, why do we want to change? And we asked this last week, why do we want change? Somebody may say, well, I'm not happy with myself, I don't, I don't look good, I don't feel good. This is not right in my life. My relationships are not right. Why do we want to change? So are there religious reasons? Are, is there guilt, shame, or maybe fear? Maybe sometimes somebody wants to change because of guilt or shame or fear. 
Um, maybe someone is feeling bad about themselves. How about this? The fear of missing out. I gotta change. I gotta change. I gotta change my way I dress. I gotta change the way I speak. I gotta change my profile picture on social media because I'm fearing. I have the FOMO, the fear of missing out. But change is something that we pursue. It's something like it's it's like pursuing an elusive animal in a dark forest because it's something that we cannot do ourselves. Change is something that we cannot do ourselves. How about this question? Do we want to change because we have the impression that God has that expectation in us? He saved us by grace, now I've got to change my life. That's Catholic doctrine. That is Catholic doctrine that you are saved by grace, but you have to change your life yourself. Um, we have to be so diligent I just want to speak heart to heart with you this morning. We have to be so diligent that we do not allow the flesh to creep into our faith and to creep into our Christianity, to creep in some way, because the flesh wants to creep in unaware and does not want to be pitted, does not want to be pointed out. I was reading this morning a letter that was written by uh, John Hudson Taylor. I don't know if you know that name. He was a missionary in the 1800s to China. He went to China during a time when there was really no Christianity there. Uh, he's from England, and he went there, and just an amazing story. He wrote a book called The Spiritual Secret. Uh, it's not Gnostic or esoteric. It's a beautiful book about his journey in discovering the grace of God and discovering his relationship with God. There's a young man in China, and he's serving. Uh, he has taken on the whole culture. He's like He looks like he's Chinese. He's got his hair cut and braided like a Chinese young man, and so he's in this culture, and he's writing, he's single at the time, and he's writing to his sister, and I thought I'd read his letter, and it's a very short letter, if you want to get it on the internet, it's called um, The Exchanged Life, uh, and he writes this, and he writes this, and I, I read this, and I think that all of us could really identify with this particular struggle, and he writes to his sister, and he says, my mind has been greatly exercised for six or eight Feeling the personal need and for our mission and for more holiness. Life, power in our soul. But personal need stood first, and I was, it was really the greatest. I felt the ingratitude, the danger, the sin of not living nearer to God. I prayed, agonized, fasted, strove, made resolutions, read the word more diligently, sought more time for, for quiet time and meditation, but was all, always without. How many of you have been there? Yeah. <laughs> How many of us have been there? And there have been times in my life where I've sensed all oh, the holiness. You read these men of God, you know, you read these mission stories, you're like, oh, I crave holiness. But can I tell you, okay, can I tell you that there's an aspect of the flesh that does create a crave religiosity? Yeah. There is something that craves religiosity in the flesh. And I love this because this is so telltale. He's an amazing missionary. Incredible man of God, the use of God begins the China Inland Missions, the incredible work of God that still continues on today. And he writes, every day, almost every hour, the consciousness of sin oppressed me. Then came the question, is there no rescue? Must it be thus to the end? He's in despair right now. Effort, striving, failure, despair. He said, is it to be this way to the end? Constant conflict, and instead of victory, 
too often defeats. How to, then he brings it to the next question. I don't know how many of you have been in this place, but I think this is the logical next step in this kind of thinking. How to could I preach with sincerity that to those who receive Jesus, to them be a key power to become the sons of God. That is God-like. When it is not so in my own experience. Hello? Hello? Right? How, many of you, how many of you have been a parent and say, okay, I'm telling my kid this, and this is not even an experience of my own. Or I'm discipling somebody and I'm telling them, this happens to a pastor all the time. It happens to me every day. And he's asking this question, and it's not so in my own experience. And what does the devil do? What does the, con what does the conscience that has not been purged by the blood of Christ do? Condemning. You hypocrite. You hypocrite. And so here's a missionary. Missionary in China. Amazing guy. And he's being accused by his own conscience. Instead of growing stronger, he writes, I seem to be getting weaker and have less power against sin. And no wonder for faith and even hope we're getting very low. Then he says this. And this is the next step. He goes, I hated myself. I hated my sin. And yet I gained no strength against it. I felt I was a child of God. His spirit in my heart would cry, in spite of all, Abba, Father. But to rise to my privileges as, as a child, I was utterly powerless. I thought that holiness, practical holiness, was to be gradually attained by, listen to this, and this is what's preached today in a lot of pulpits. I felt that there was, no, he said, I was utterly powerless. I thought, I thought that holiness, practical holiness, was to be gradually attained by a diligent use of the means of grace. Get that? That grace is given so that you can be holy. I felt that there was nothing I could do, there was nothing so much I desired in this world, nothing I so much needed, but so far from any measure attaining to it. I, the more I, listen to this, the more I pursued and strove after it, the more I, it eluded my grasp. So the whole, this is where he's at, and then he, he writes this, Hope itself died out. I began to think perhaps to make heaven sweeter, God would not give it down here. Can I tell you that God does give it here? Amen. And that there is light here, and that there is a walk of grace. And that we that we have this that change can happen and change will happen. Instead of chasing after change, instead of chasing after so much change and so much desire to change my situation, comes from discontent. Instead of living in the pursuit of change, pursue the person and the nature of Jesus Christ. Be occupied with him. Open up the Gospels and just read about what Jesus did. Don't read it like I've got to do what Jesus did here. Good luck. I mean, try to feed 5,000 people. If that's, if that's our philosophy, okay, I'm going to be like Jesus. Hey, like, try to cast out demons. Maybe you can do that. I don't know. Jesus here. Let's look at Jesus Christ, and this is going to, this being occupied with Jesus, having a Jesus-centered Christianity, is what changes lives. It's what transforms hurt people. And change happens, and it changes in you and I naturally. It doesn't happen with effort. We were at the house yesterday, and Sarah comes over sometimes and helps, or a lot, actually. And we're in there, and uh, I pull, I take, Caleb out of his room after his, you know, after his nap. And I don't know about you, but when you look at your kid after nap, does it look like he's different, but he's grown? <laughs> he's grown. I'm like, what, you, what happened overnight? Like, 
when you're older. And we see this change. We don't see it happening in front of our eyes, but we see it happening at different gradual moments in time. We don't see change in our life, but we are changing. There is something that is in you and I, and that is the seed of Christ. That is Christ in us. Yes. Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. Christ in us. The hope of glory. Yeah. And that is what, in this new creation in us, has its own DNA, has its own seed, it has its own life. And we don't have to tell a seed to grow, or to grow faster, or to grow this way, or to grow that way. <clears throat> a seed is going to grow with the programming that it has, the new DNA. And we have new DNA <clears throat> inside of us as a believer. This new DNA is spiritual DNA, and it's growing. Yes. And, we, and, and, and when we are in fellowship like this in community, by the way, this is awesome, and this is how we see Jesus Christ, and this is how we experience Christ on earth in the body of Christ in community. When we are in community, when we are in fellowship, we are growing, and we can see someone, and we can detect spiritually that there's growth in their life. That is change. I want to, I want to get us, I want to get our attention off of changing, changing ourselves, because that's not what God is after. God's not after. God's not giving us grace and this wonderful salvation and all of these incredible gifts and blessings in Christ and all godliness so that we can now change ourselves. It is now, it is a free gift of God given to us, and as we focus on Christ, that change is happening in our life. Yes. We just need to, Romans chapter 6, yield to it. I mean, it's happening. Just yield to it. It's happening in our life. And so, this is what I wanted to share about. Remember we talked about last week and the week before in Galatians chapter 5, where there's that tug of war that Paul talks about to the Corinthians. He said, the, the, the flesh lusts against the spirit, epithemos, and the spirit lusts against the flesh, which is just old King James words, which means that the desires of the flesh are the epithemos, is so powerful and so strong, and it fights against the spirit. And then there is this desire of the spirit. We talked about that last week. <clears throat> we talked about how that fight, that battle, is where a lot of Christians find themselves until they discover this one thing. That in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, there is no condemnation, period. There is therefore now no condemnation, period. This is the only way <clears throat> that a person can discover the power and strength of their salvation. I want to take it to the next step, and I look at Jesus Christ in us. Instead of change, instead of, sometimes we look at change as like, okay, I don't have, the cup is half full. I'm not complete. By the way, those are the words of the devil. You're, the words of the devil are always going to point to you at something that you don't have. This was, a, this was a conversation with the devil in the garden. You don't have enough money. You need a better house. You need a better wife. You need a better husband. You need this. You need that. You need, you need to change your lifestyle. You, get, you, get, you need to have more money to be happy. And the devil's always speaking to us, focusing on deficit. Jesus Christ inside of us is only talking about one thing. And, that he's, and, he, and the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, and God the Father in us is only talking about one thing. And that is a finished work, that the work is completed, that when Jesus said it is finished, I believe that when Jesus said it is finished, it must have been like, well, it must have been like the, your team winning the Super Bowl. You know, everybody jumps out of the stands, they went out of the, run out of the stage. I mean, all of heaven was rejoicing. When Jesus said it is finished, and it was just this, this un, unrecognizable uh, mass of flesh on the, on the cross, incredible pain, and incredible suffering. When he cried out, it is finished, and when he rose from the dead, there was such 
an uproar in heaven that I think it was just, well, there was. There was an earthquake. Yeah, yeah. There was literally an earthquake. There was literally, because the physical earth, and if you look at the spiritual dynamics, the, spirit, the earth literally quaked. And all the graves opened up in Matthew 24. It was an incredible thing. And sometimes I'd love to preach as we get close to Easter about what all that was and how the graves opened up and people came out. And it was just incredible. Kind of a scary, weird thing if you just read it in King James. But if you look at it very clearly, that when, when Jesus rose from the dead, when he said, it is finished, and he rose from the dead, there was such a cry of victory. And we get so wrapped up in just our experience. We get so wrapped up in our what were what were you know what happened yesterday that someone said this or I got this text or I failed this person or I'm not good enough. That's not the conversation in heaven. As a matter of fact, the Ark of the Covenant. When you have the cherubim there, we've all seen uh, later Raiders of the Lost Ark. I mean, if yeah. you haven't, maybe you didn't know what that is. Put it on. Uh, <laughs> you know, the other day I was talking to a kid. I said. You know, like a broken record. He goes, what's a record? <laughs> <laughs> right. Kind of like a CD, but, you know, just kind of... Well, Never mind. <laughs> they didn't know what a CD was. <laughs> Christ in us is the hope of glory. Christ in us is everything that we need to be. God has completed the work. Remember when God put Adam and Eve in the garden? What day, what day of the week did God put Adam and Eve in the garden? Day one. Okay, I'm going to put you in this huge mess. Adam and Eve. And I'm going to ask you to, like, okay, just kind of work this out, this incredible mess of creation, and, you know, world without form and void. No, he put them in what time? When everything was done, right? And he puts Adam and Eve into the garden. It's an environment of grace. It's an environment of joy, environments of love. And they're in this environment. <clears throat> and what, is that? what does God tell Adam and Eve to do? I just want you to behold and name things. That's all. That's all I want you to do. Just behold the great wonders of all the trees you may eat, may eat of everything, and name the animals. And if this, if this, this, this animal looks like a Henry, just call him Henry. And if this one looks like a Joe, call him a Joe. And this one called a giraffe. Yesterday we took our our, our foster child, our son, to um, the pumpkin farm, and this is down here. I don't know, Pops Lubner. Old live Christmas tree farm, and you know, taking him into the petting zoo. You know, he, he saw he saw these goats. He tried to kiss them. He was going <laughs> out the goat with his mouth wide open, like, like a 15 month old kid. He went out the goat with wide open mouth. He's like, no, no, we don't want to do that for goats. And the goats were like, <laughs> and it was just amazing to see as his dad and mom to watch him enjoy creation and. It just brought so much joy. I thought, how much joy does it bring to God when we are in his finished work, enjoying the life that he's given us, knowing that that's never, ever going to be ripped away from us in some kind of loss of salvation or loss of relationship or loss of fellowship. It's never going to happen. We are in this. And God put that on me in this. You know, I want us to look at our jobs. Like, you know what? God gave this to me. God gave me this business. God gave me this family. God gave me this situation I'm in. It's not... Maybe it's not amazing in the world's eyes, but in this situation, there's a tree of life, and that tree of life is, is that I am everything that I'm supposed to be in this moment, and I'm going to enjoy that because I'm in Christ. Jesus here, <clears throat> Jesus says some incredible things, and I want to I want to bring us to this, and, and then I want to wrap it up. When we look at the Passion of Christ, how many of you have ever saw that movie, The Passion of Christ? 
was that, did that really move you or what? I was with some friends. I didn't watch it, I heard about it, I didn't watch it for a long time. I just thought, well, you know, I don't know if I'm gonna go, watch it. And, you know, we're kind of joking about it a little bit, like, we're gonna go there, you know, because everybody would come out of the movie theater with tears and broken, just very somber. And I thought, well, I, you know, I don't know, I just was not gonna think that was gonna do that to me. I'm not an emotional, I'm a man, I'm, I'm not emotional. So I go and we're kind of joking with these guys a little bit when we have maybe gone in and we're watching this and I just, I, I lost it, it was just incredible. But the moment where he is at the pillar being beaten by the, and I thought about, you know, by his strike we were healed, I just turned into a sobbing mess, you know, it's like, you know, I kind of laughing a little bit like, man, you know, it does not matter what we think we know or who we, who we are or what our gender is. The finished work, the work of Christ is so powerful. And I thought about the passion of Christ. What was the passion of Christ? What was this thing that was in him that he said, said you know, I have come. In Hebrews chapter nine, uh, chapter 10, verse 9, it says, Lo, it's written of me in the book. On the book, I come to do thy will. We see the passion that Jesus had for the will of God. Uh, John 4 uh, the disciples come with all this food, and he's just he's just led this woman to Christ, and the whole village is coming out. And he says to his disciples, "My needs, my necessary food, is to do the will of the Father." We think of what Jesus said in uh, Luke 22. He said, uh, uh, "Luke, I'm sorry, Luke 12, verse 50." He says this. He says, "He says I have a baptism to be baptized with, and oh how I am constrained until it's come." This is a man that was so constrained. He said, he said, I set my face like a flint. And this is actually a quote from Isaiah 50. By the way, when I'm getting these Bible verses, I'm not trying to tell you how much of the Bible I know. I just want you guys to be able to take your notes and say, hey, make sure that that's in there. Isaiah 50 verse 9 um, says this, and he has set his face like a flint. Have you ever handled a flint? What a flint looks like? If you touch a flint, it'll cut you. Jesus was so determined in the will of God to do it, in the will of his Father, that it said his forehead, his forehead was like a flint. And if you just, if you got in Jesus' way, you would get cut in half. You're just going to get all cut up. And Jesus was so passionate about the will of God. We look at that and we say, I'm going to be like that. No. we got to look at it like this. That is in me. Jesus is in me. Yes. Uh, that you, will is in me. Thank that you, Christ is in me. And it is Here's another example, and this is what um, Hudson Taylor writes later on, I'm going to read it to you in a second, and this incredible release that he has. We look at something like, okay, I, you know, maybe you're a woman, and you look at another lady in the church, and you wish it could be that way, or another lady in your family, or you're comparing yourself with your mother, and you say, I wish I could be like my mom. And you think, or maybe you're a guy, and you see someone being used by God in a mighty way. Maybe you see, you know, somebody that's got great personality or something, I'd like to be like that person. You know, I'd like to be like Jeff. Yeah. Jeff Wood. I want to be like Jeff Wood. And we're like, okay, what can I do to be like Jeff Wood? You know, He's <laughs> well, I want to be like this person. You know, I want to be like that. And so instead of like a body, like it turns into a personality cult. Yeah. I'm picking on Jeff because we always come together. The way to look at it is this: in John 15, and 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 um, Hudson Taylor brings it up later. He says. Instead of looking at the vine, like, okay, how can I get the juice out of Jesus? How can I get that, get that out of Jesus into my life as a branch? How can I flow into that life? 
Well, the Hebrew concept, the Hebrew mindset was a mindset of harmony. Yeah. It was totality. The Greek mindset was, let, let's pick this apart, let's take an engine apart, look at each piece, you know, and, and, and take it apart and set it aside. But if you did that in a Jewish mindset, you separate something that has, it is dead and has no life. In John 15, when Jesus is talking about he is the vine, that means that I'm the vine, I'm the stem, I'm the roots, I'm the branches, I'm everything. Yeah. And so when we understand that we are in the vine, that we are, the vine is in us, there is no separation. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ in Romans chapter 8. That's the experience of our salvation. Am I, am I going too fast? No. Good. Okay, so no, brother. Get out. this is very important that, that we get this. I, I'm, I'm a student in this too. I, I can't say that I know all of this. When you look at someone in the church, someone that you really admire, and say, I want to be like that person, and they know Christ, and you say, can I tell you something? Theologically, to be theologically correct, we are that person. True. So when someone walks in the church and says, hey, my name is Jeff, oh, my name is Chris, my name is John, my name is Jeff, my name is Michael, I'm everybody. Does that sound weird? No. Does it sound like multiple personalities? You know, someone says, well, I like Sean's. Sean is a very organized guy. I have always admired his organization. Very organized, very cool-headed, cool-minded. And I thought, man, I wish I'd like to be like Sean. And I can just get into this thing like isolated, Greek mindset, Roman mindset, Western mindset. Separate myself from Sean in the sense of like, you know, look at Sean and say, okay, I'm not Sean. I wish I could be Sean. And some days I feel like Sean. I'm not like Sean today. And that's not finished work. That is not, Sean's like, only if he knew, right? <laughs> <laughs> the finished work is this, I am Sean. I am Michael, I am Jeff, I am, I, I, I am in the body, the body is in me. Yeah. Therefore, if Sean is blessed in his life, praise the Lord, if God is moving in Jeff's, I mean, Sean's life and Jeff's life, <laughs> if God is doing that, then I can rejoice. Like, yeah. if Jeff is getting blessed or, or if, yeah. Water is getting blessed, or something like that, or if someone's getting blessed. I don't have to be like, ah, oh, man. Sometimes people look at Facebook and they get this thing like they see somebody on vacation. You know, <laughs> Kim is on vacation right now. She was actually in, in, in Greece, but now she's in Israel. We can look at that and think, wow, you look at me, I'm stuck on, on 45 here. <laughs> and it's like looking at you know looking at Kim. You know, Kim's not here to talk about Kim's over in Greece with these beautiful pictures of like you know Santorini and all that stuff. I'm thinking, wow, you know, I love I love to do that. Well, you know something? When one prospers, we can all prosper. Yes. At the Preach same time, when one is broken, we we're all broken. We're all broken. That's right. Preach when it. one fails, when someone fails, I don't rejoice in that. I'm I, I'm broken as well. When someone fails. That's why I don't like to talk about people's failures. I, I just feel like that is a sacred topic that really is in the hand of God. And, and uh, sometimes, you know, I just don't like to talk about it. And, I, and, and actually, David had the same thought. David, when, when Goliath, I'm sorry, when, when Saul messed up and was blowing it, he was anointed with God, David said, do not publish this in Gath. Don't publish this on social media. Don't tell people in Gap. Gap was in the Philistine. This was in, you know, lest our enemies rejoice. Like, I don't want to talk about, you know, yeah. recently a big name recently failed and messed up. Big guy, big name in the world of discipleship. And everybody started talking about it. Everybody started talking about it. It was so grieving that I don't have the liberty to talk about somebody's failure or anybody's failure that I know because I 
just think that it's put me in a very dangerous place. Yeah. It sets me up right. to fail and to set me up to be a judge that I'm not. It's grieving. And so how do we get strength to how do we get strength to like how do we get this? How do we how do we experience change? How do I get out of this situation? Well the first thing we have to realize is, is that is that God does not love me anymore if I'm changed or not. God's not looking in you know, when you go to a church and you feel from the pastor that the pastor's not happy with you, with your with your progress, or something like that, that's not body life. When we look at the church, when I look at this church, when I look at the church of Christ, I'm seeing a finished work. I'm seeing Christ. I'm seeing people. I've seen a paradox that's incredible. You see people struggling and having a hard time. Yet at the same time, this is the beloved of God, purchased by his blood. It's just an amazing... To be a pastor is just so incredible. It's kind of like being a dad in some ways. It's just this mysterious thing that is such a blessing to be. You know, when Jesus said that he was, he said, I'm constrained. I have a baptism to be baptized. I have something to do. He said, I'm so constrained. I can't. He said, I'm so constrained to do. And he was using the word synecdo, which means basically it's just a beautiful word. Sometimes it's translated as to deceive the city. Interesting. You know? Another sometimes it's, it's used as a word to press two things together. Sometimes it's used to hold someone prisoner. Sometimes it's used to stop the ears or plug the ears. Uh, sometimes it's used to um, be to be impelled. And Paul talked about this about being impelled by the Spirit through Christ. Um, it's sometimes synonymous with distress or affliction. To be pressed together um, to compel. The antonym or the opposite of that word in the Greek means to release and set free, to um, to be released. So here is here's the secret. Jesus is compassionate and he's very passionate about the will of God. We see that, we admire that, we're amazed at that. We just we see him with the devil in Matthew chapter four, dealing with the devil. And we just see that. We like, man, I wish I could deal with the devil like that. I wish I could be like
Praise the Lord, I'm faithful. Yes. And because I know the faithful one in me is going to be laboring and he's going to be hungry and desiring after the will of God. And I just want to say this, that Jesus in you is everything that you're supposed to be. And I think this is a daily recognition that, like, okay, I'm not patient. Well, the patient one is in you. Yeah, he is Lord. in you. And it's not something that I have to try to do. Um, okay, well, I'm having problems with lust or, 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 or this addiction in my life. The one who does not covet is in you. And he's, yes. and he's filled in you. And we are filled with him, all the fullness of God. And that word play home means it's so full, there's not room for anything else. Nothing else can, can, nothing else can coexist with Jesus Christ in us. The difference between that and possession is huge. There is a type of Christianity out there, and I've heard it one time used this way, fire hose Christianity. What that means, you ever seen a fire hose? You turn on a fire hose, and if, some, if like three or four guys are not holding that thing, it's gonna be flying all over the place, and it could, if it swings out of control in, in, um, in fire training or fireman training, it can actually swing and break a guy's legs and cause severe damage. Fire hose Christianity, where, where you have four or five guys holding on to this hose just trying to direct it. Fire hose Christianity is when I think that I am just a vessel, that I have nothing I have nothing to do with what the Spirit is doing through me. I'm like, I've, I've surrendered myself over to another power that is functioning and activating through me, and it's some kind of weird, abstract... It sounds like possession to me. Does that make sense? Yes. It's that if, you let, if, we, if it's not being held down, it's going to be out of control and unpredictable. Yeah. The fear of the Lord is not something that I'm afraid of something unpredictable. The fear of the Lord is like, I know God and I know what he's going to do. And I know what force he is and that it's all grounded in the sovereign grace and the goodness of God. Firehose Christianity is not walking with Jesus Christ. Demonic possession is firehose. Because you have another entity in that person, and they're just, you know, they're just out of control, and you don't know what's going to happen next. Jesus Christ in us is called indwelling. It's indwelling. And this is beautiful because there is this beautiful cooperation with Christ in us and our humanity that re results in constraining. Does that make sense? Yeah, I'm going to share in just a moment. Constraining, meaning that. Something's not operating in me that I don't know, or that's foreign to me. It's in me. It's Christ in me, my brother. It's a family relationship. And when we get occupied with Christ, and we begin to, we just take, this is what we need to do. You ever hear of these 90-day cleanses? My wife does these things. I'm actually going to start doing it. Actually, I'm supposed to be doing it now, but. Next week. We need a 90-day cleanse on Jesus Christ just to feed on Jesus and focus on Jesus Christ and all that he is and all that he has done and all that he is saying. When Tohazen Taylor began to understand that Jesus is in him, he understood what Andrew Murray said. And I love this. He said that, actually what Washington Lee said this. He said that, in essence, he said that we get so focused with the word as a Christian being changed, being transformed. Yeah. But the issue is not... God is not coming into trying to change us. The issue is that Jesus came in to exchange our life, an exchange, a substitute, a substitute, a substitutionary life. Husband Taylor began to understand this, and then he writes this. This, this, he got this letter. He quotes this letter from John McAlpin from Hanchow in his letter to his sister. He says, "After I read this, 
And so I begin to think of the vine and the branches. What light the blessed spirit poured direct into my soul. How great seemed my mistake in having wished to get the sap and the fullness of him. I saw not only that Jesus would never leave me, but that I was a member of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. The vine, the vine now I see is not merely a root, but it's the whole thing. Root, stem, branches, twigs, leaves, flowers, fruit. Oh, yeah. And Jesus is not only that, he is the soil and the sunshine, the air and the showers, and 10,000 times more, 10,000 than we could have ever dreamed, wished, or needed. Then he writes, oh my dear sister, it is a wonderful thing to be really one with a risen and exalted Savior, to be a member of Christ. Think what that involves. Can Christ be rich and I be poor? Can your right hand be rich and your left hand poor? Or your head be well fed while your body starves? And then he gives this illustration about a guy going into a bank, signs, signs his name to get cash, and the banker says, well, your, your, your right hand wrote that, but your left hand is not part of it, so your left hand can't have that money. It's absurd. Point being is that we are in Christ. Christ is in us. He is everything that we need in First Corinthians to be to be everything that we need to be. And when we see deficit in our life, and we hear the voice of the enemy or the voice of our own conscience that's not been purged, and we hear this accusation from maybe, maybe somebody that's very close to us that says, you're not enough, you're not doing enough, you should know better, understand this, that everything that we are supposed to be, everything that we are is in us. And that Christ and God are very happy in the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, they are so happy to be inside of you. How does that change our Monday? How does that change our week? When we talk to each other, when we understand the verse that we read, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, that Christ died for all. Christ died for all. That means all are dead. That means, you know something, when I look at somebody, I'm, gonna, I'm going to love them. I'm just going to have Christ's attitude towards them. And if I'm not there yet, it's okay. It's okay. It doesn't happen maybe in a day. Maybe it doesn't happen in a few years. Focus on Christ. Get occupied with Christ. Get, in, get enamored by his, by, his, by his wonder and by his incredible. Read the book of Revelation about how Jesus it has the eyes of like lightning. Fall in love with Christ. And when we do that, that's something that we communicate. Because there's a law of communication. The law of communication is this. That if I'm thinking something... It's, I'm going to even unconsciously, I'm going to, I'm going to communicate with my mouth, and I'm going to communicate with my actions. Amen. Let's stop thinking self-consciously. Stop worrying about changing ourselves, and understand that if I change or I don't change, I'm in Christ. Christ is in me. Yeah. And, and when I understand that, somebody said, "Wait a minute. What about sanctification? Sanctification is Christ. Jesus is sanctification. Yes. Yeah. We can't take. I'm going to all the other stuff." Go on, preach, brother. If we take any aspect of theology and separate it from the person of Christ, we have a doctrine without the Spirit. We have a theology without God, and it doesn't change anybody. And we can just start, we can open up another religious institution that collects money and does good things, but doesn't, nobody's lives are changed. Look at Christ, he's in us. He is, he is, he is active. And if there's something that needs to be changed in our life, we just, God, I don't know why that happened, I don't know why I did that, but I don't know. I, I can't even figure myself out, Paul said in Romans chapter 7. I am a mess, wretched man that I am. He's not saying, oh, shameful, guilty person, shame on me, poor on me, you know, shame and guilt. He's saying, I'm a mess. Thank I'm you, just Lord. a mess. I can't even figure out my own life. I don't even know my own heart. I don't know anything. And I just trust you. I cast myself upon you, as David did when he messed up with Bathsheba. I cast myself on the mercy of 
when we do that, then God, then we begin to see the hand of God because we take our hands off the wheel. It's no longer I trying to control my life. It's Christ in me. It's Christ. It's Christ. I love this theme. I want to preach it the rest of my life. This, this is what's going to change lives. Yes. Let's look at Jesus Christ. Stop looking at the poison in the soul yes. and let him heal you. Get healed in the body. Get healed in Christ and get healed in the presence.